Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Well, good morning and welcome to Collective Church. My name is Tyler. I'm one of the lead pastors. I get to lead alongside of my amazing wife, Lee. We're glad that you are with us, whether you're in the room or if you're on, engaging online, you're part of this. We're glad that you are with us. We're in this series called The Way of Jesus, where we're working through Luke chapter by chapter. And I want to encourage you, if you have not, to go to our website and to download the journal and actually work through it on a daily basis. Because there is a lot in here. If you read Luke, there's a lot in there. And we want to enga- encourage you to engage with Scripture, with the Bible, not just on a Sunday, as someone else declares it, but also through the week. I want to remind you that God wants to speak to you, that God wants to meet with you. And one of the things that's helpful for us as we read large chunks of Scripture, as we read large chunks of what are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we begin to see Jesus more clearly. Sometimes we make Jesus in our own image, and when we read the Bible, we begin to realize where things line up and where they don't. There's some things about Jesus that are really interesting. Like one of the things that Jesus does with his disciples, with those who follow him, is over time, he turns up the heat. So at the beginning, he's like, hey, come and follow me. And they go, yeah, okay, sounds good. And then it gets to a point where it's like, lay down your life. And they're like, wait a second. At some point, something shifted. Expectations were increased. Jesus turned up the heat in his disciples. And the same thing happens in us. That Jesus reminds us that what he expects of us continues to grow as we grow. And in that process, there are times that Jesus says stuff that you're like, wow, Jesus, that was was like a little harsh, like a little savage. Like, I don't think you're allowed to say that, Jesus. That was a little offensive to people. And it confronts some things in our minds. Like, we make Jesus in in our own image. Sometimes we think of nice guy Jesus, kind Jesus. And he is. He's kind and loving and compassionate. But Jesus isn't one of those guys that just sits there and goes, hey, whatever, it's all good. It's great. It's great. Just glad you're here. No, there are times that he says things that you go, oh. And what he says as he confronts things is actually the ultimate expression of love. He says things to us to change us and transform us. He says things to us that aren't easy to hear. Why? Well, one of the One of the reasons that Jesus says things that are difficult is because he knows our propensity to live in lies, to believe lies and to live like they are true, to say one thing, I believe this is important, and live completely different and go, you know what, it's fine. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Jesus' invitation for us and challenge is for us to live integrated lives where we actually live in truth, that we experience the freedom that truth offers to us. Jesus turns up the heat. And today, I want to just let you know that Jesus is doing that for us. 
that there's some things in here that challenge us. And I want us communally, whether you're in person or online, to actually ask ourselves these questions. Do my words match my actions? Does what I say, does it actually line up with how I live? Do my words match my actions? Does my life actually reflect what I say that I believe? Does my life actually reflect what I say that I believe? Let's pray and then dig in. God, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that you give us your words, that you use imperfect people to point people to you. God, I pray that in these moments that that it wouldn't be about me, that it would be about you, that you would illuminate your words, that you would change us and form us and transform us to become more and more like your son, Jesus. For people that are in the room or watching, engaging online that don't know you, I pray that they would experience you in a way that does not make sense outside of you. God, we need you. I need you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I want to work through a passage in Luke 9. Luke 9, 57 to 62, and the title of this section, the chapter title in the Bible. Now, just so you know, those weren't, those weren't in there when they were written. Those were added after to help people to understand sections that went together. But this section is titled, The Cost of Following Jesus. Verse 57, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you. Wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, Come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, if you read this section, this is one of those sections that you go, wow, this seems to be a little harsh. There's some things in there, like, Jesus, are you saying we don't get to go to our parents' funerals? Like, what, what, do you, what do you mean when you're saying some of what you're saying? This seems to be a little bit out of touch. But it's important that we understand and recognize that there is so much more going on here. These words that Jesus are speaking, there's so much depth to them, and there's more than just the surface-level reading. Jesus is walking and he's engaging, talking to three different people. And they're each speaking to him as we speak to each other. But Jesus has this amazing ability to see beyond what's being said. So he hears words that they're speaking and he actually sees beyond those words to their very heart. Jesus is speaking to the the areas and matters of the heart. Because our words and our heart can sometimes be out of alignment. And we can say things that we know that we should say. We can say the right things, but they don't actually line up with what we really believe and how we live. Now, it's funny because I don't typically tend to do like three-point sermons. I, I tend to go more narrative, but last week I talked about four different responses to four different kinds of soil. And this week I have three 
because there are three people, three different perspectives. So I don't typically do three-point sermons, but if Jesus is the one that's highlighting three different people, I think he knows better than me. And so Jesus is speaking to three different people that have three different responses to following him. And each of those three things represents a limit, a limit of commitment. I will commit to following you except for, and there's three things, three of them. First is I'll follow as long as it doesn't cost me. Second is I'll follow as long as I can follow when I'm ready. And third is I'll follow as long as I can remain distracted. Look at verse 57. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. I will follow you. And this sounds really nice and spiritual. I'll follow you, Jesus, anywhere. Anywhere that you want to go, I'm willing to do it. But Jesus sees beyond these words that sound so good. And Jesus replied in a bit of a way that you're like, wait, what? What? He says, but Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. So he is saying, I want to follow you, but Jesus actually sees the idol behind that. He sees the thing that is a, an area of hesitation, an area of a limit to commitment, the idol of comfort. Jesus is traveling around. He's going all over the place, and he does not have a comfortable setup. He doesn't have a nice little air mattress that always keeps its air. He doesn't have a nice mech tent that, that is just really elegant and easy to set up. He has his robe and his sandals and his friends, and that's it. And he goes and he's doing what God asked him to do, and it does not look very comfortable. I don't know if you're one of those people that loves camping, but there's a whole group of other people, and I'd probably be one of those that you say camping, but it's not exactly roughing it, right? You're like, I'm camping, but I have power and a TV and Wi-Fi, and it's great. I went camping one time with a friend who was like legit camper, and he goes, do you want to camp with me in the foothills of the mountains? I lived in Alberta, and he's like, do you want to camp in the foothills of the mountains? I'm like, yeah, yeah, and he's like, it's open air camping. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, we just, we sleep on the floor, like on the ground. And we just, and I go, all right. And I went and as we're there, he's like, so there's a lot of bears in this area. It's like, what? And he's, but luckily he had a shotgun with slugs. So I'm like, I felt somewhat better. But it's funny how open air makes you especially nervous. Like a tent would do basically nothing for a bear, but there's something in having some sort of walls that you're like, I'm safe here. I'm good. And instead, we were laying out on the ground, and, and yeah, it looked beautiful, but it definitely was not in my top 10 best sleeps I've ever had. Like, my back hurt. I was stiff. I think there were roots on the ground. <laughs> I was like, this is uncomfortable. When we follow Jesus, we actually embrace being uncomfortable. So for so many of us, we're like, I want to camp, but I want to glamp. Like, I want the full experience. Jesus, I'll follow you, but I want it to be comfortable. I want it to be good and easy. I want comfort to be the central thing for me. I talked about the idol of comfort. It's this idea that we have things that are the most important to us. And for some of us, comfort is the most important thing. And we say, no, 
comfort's not that important, but if you look at your life, your life would, would tell a different story. The action of our lives would tell the story that you value comfort beyond anything else. We find ourselves and we go, I rarely do anything that stretches me. I rarely do anything that causes me some level of discomfort or awkwardness. We've been quarantining since long before COVID in our own little bubble, isolating, going, I like it like this. It's safe like this. People are messy and difficult. I'd rather keep to myself. We live in this place of comfort. Our, our lives are marked by this and this struggle. Like, I don't know what it looks like. Maybe for some of you that this is a struggle, you go, I know I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus, but it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. I know I'm supposed to read my Bible, but it's inconvenient and uncomfortable. I don't always know what it means, and so I'm just not going to do it. I know I'm supposed to give sacrificially, but that's uncomfortable, and I'd rather keep it to myself. I know I'm supposed to serve others. Like, I know that there are generations, like there are kids in the other part of this building that I could serve and care for and lead to Jesus, but that's uncomfortable because they require effort, and I don't know that I have that. I'd rather live in my own little bubble. I know I'm supposed to pray for my enemies and, and pray for those, love those that, that condemn me or criticize me or look down on me, but that's so uncomfortable and awkward, and I don't want to do it. I'd rather live in my own little bubble. I know I'm supposed to take risks and go wherever God asks me to go, but I don't want to because that's uncomfortable and I might have to sacrifice my own preference and comfort. I mean, think about your own life and make the list. We find areas that you go, I'm actually prioritizing comfort over everything else. And I say, I'm just trying to get out of my bubble, but really, I'm getting really comfortable in that bubble. Anytime we notice those things in our life, they should be like a, a warning light for us. That you go, uh, I'll do that other stuff, but I don't want to do that. That makes me feel uncomfortable. And Jesus is going, perfect. Okay, so uh, that's an area you don't trust me. You're like, shoot, that's an area where I'm trying to lead my own life, not go where God is asking me to go. That's what's happening with this guy, this guy that's coming face to face with Jesus. He's saying, I want to follow you. And Jesus goes, okay, if you follow me, you're going to have to give up your comfort. And he goes, that's where my limit is. I'm willing to follow you, but I do not want to sacrifice my comfort. And so I'm not sure that I want to do this. I'll follow you as long as it doesn't cost me. But here's the problem with that, is that sits in opposition to the kingdom of God and kingdom principles. There's a passage in Matthew 10, 39 that actually tells us what it means to follow Jesus. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life, you will find it. That when you surrender your comfort and you give your life away, that that's actually when you discover it. I want to let you know that the idol of comfort is a liar. It tells you that what you're going to get is this safe, secure place, but what you trade off is a life that actually matters. And you just float through your life and go, I didn't really do anything, and I didn't really go anywhere, but I was 
comfortable. That is not the invitation of following Jesus. Give your life away to him and watch and discover what it means to really live. So the first limit to commitment, I'll follow as long as it doesn't cost me. And the second we see is I'll follow as long as I can follow when I'm ready. Verse 59, he said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed. But he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Now, <laughs> can I to be honest? I would read that and be like, wow, Jesus. So like, he, like his dad just died? He can't even go to the funeral? Like, I know we're supposed to really love you, but that seems, like I know in Christian circles we're supposed to be like, yeah, of course. But like, that seems like a little aggressive. Until I did some studying and research, and I realized it was actually different than I thought. See, I was picturing, like, he just died. He just died, and guys, like, wiping tears and snot, going, like, I want to follow you, but I really, I need to do this funeral. This is actually not speaking to that. Imagine this is more that this guy's dad is just getting a little older. He's not dead yet. He's not even sick. He's just, he's getting a little older. And the social thing is, as a good son or daughter, you take care of your parents as they get older. So this is his way of saying, hey, listen, I want to follow you, but my dad is in his 60s. He probably only has 25 or 30 good years left. And so I want to just be around. But then, then I will follow you. My life is pretty busy. I have some things going on. But after I get through all of that, you know, when I really settle down, when I retire, then I will follow you. It changes the perspective on how you read this. Because it's not like, okay, it doesn't matter about family and funerals. You just suck it up, princess, and you keep going. It's none of that. It's actually about confronting the excuses that we make in our own life of going, when I, then I'll be ready then I'll be ready. But I got some stuff to do before then, and it shouldn't take more than 35, 40, 55 years. It should, I should be able to get it done in the next 60 to 65 years. When I'm 90, I'll have extra time to do what you're asking me to do. It's the lie, right? When it's more convenient. When it's more convenient, then I will go. But problem is, it's never more convenient. Like, it's so funny when you talk to people in different stages and when you say, I'm really busy. Like, I remember being a teenager going, man, my life seems busy. And then you get a little older, like, I had no clue. And then you talk to people that are, that are just learning, switching, and they're working, and they're like, man, my life is really busy. And then you have kids, and you're like, you don't know. It just changes, and you go, you realize This illusion, this lie that we go, when I finally, then life will settle in. Please tell me when that happens, because it doesn't. There's always something. There's always things competing for your attention. There's always things that go, that's actually more important than Jesus. This is a lie. This is a limit of commitment that we buy into all of the time. I will follow as long as I can follow when I'm ready. Jesus responds, Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Jesus is not condemning normal human attachment and family. He's not acting like people don't matter. But what he is doing is he's going below the surface. 
he's actually causing us and him to go, what really has my heart? What really is of central importance in my life? What is the thing that guides and governs everything that I do? What is my true duty? What is my purpose? What is the purpose of my life? This is the million dollar question that we're always asking. What's the purpose of my life? What is the central meaning of my life? Why do I exist? We actually find it here. Your duty, the purpose of your life is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. And you're going, no, I'm not a preacher. So that's not for me. The problem is that the original language, it doesn't say preacher. The Greek language actually says proclaim. This idea of proclamation is also to be a herald. So the word here is that we're supposed to proclaim and herald, tell people about Jesus. This is not indicated as the person who's up at the front only. This is all of us in our lives proclaiming about the kingdom of God. Your duty, your purpose, your calling, all of us that would call ourselves Jesus followers is to go and proclaim about the kingdom of God. Do you know what a herald does? A herald is a messenger. And so our purpose is to be messengers, sharing the message of Jesus to everyone we meet. This dovetails really beautifully with last week where we scatter our seed. This is what we were made for. Not the preacher that's up at the front going, well, he does it. He's professional at this. All of us going and proclaiming about what Jesus has done and the difference it's made in our lives. And not when you're ready. Because you'll never be ready. Can I just be honest? If you've heard me say it before, let me say it again to remind you. I've never felt ready. I've never, God, God's going, hey, uh, so Tyler and Lee, um, so I want you to move across the country and plant a church. Lee and I, ask Lee, ask me. We did not go, well, I feel ready for this. We were like, okay, uh, okay, God, okay, we'll do it. Multiple times in our lives. I would say every conversation I have with someone that's like, so I don't like the church, do you want to talk? And I'm like, all right. Conversations that I have with someone that has hurt or, or frustration or disappointment. Whatever. I've never felt ready for those things. All the education, done lots of schooling, learned lots of things. I've never felt fully ready to step into moments that God asked me to. But I have felt like he's there. I've experienced his closeness as he goes, listen, I know you're not ready, but listen, it's not about you. Just bring what you have and come and do it now. Go and proclaim the message of Jesus to the people that you are around. So two of the three limits of commitment, I'll follow as long as it doesn't cost me. And I'll follow as long as I can follow when I'm ready. And the final one is I'll follow as long as I can remain distracted. Verse 61, another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God, this, this is an interesting, an interesting conversation. Like the guy's going, um, 
I'd like to say goodbye to my family, and Jesus starts talking about plowing. And you're like, how, how did we get, how did we end up getting into that? But again, Jesus hears words, and he's going to the heart issue, and Jesus uses these powerful pictures to help people to understand what he's saying, the, the deeper level of conversation. Now think about plowing. Think about the structural, just if you've plowed, if you've ever driven a tractor and done anything, or maybe, maybe you're like, that's way too country for me. When you mow the grass, okay, if you mow the grass, if you mow the grass like this, do you go in a straight line? If you're like, oh, I'm just mowing the grass. No. You look at your lines, you're like, what the heck was I doing? Why is it like S-curves and I'm all over the place? How, how do you actually plow or mow the grass in a way that is consistent? You look straight forward. And you use guardrails and markers to give you a sense of where you're going. And if you find yourself looking other ways around, you find yourself moving off, veering off where you need to be. Have you ever been in a car with someone who uh, turns the wheel wherever they're looking? It's stressful, especially if they're looking toward that field. Like, they're looking into the field, and then they're slowly veering in towards the ditch, and you're like, mm-mm, mm-mm, stop. Look forward. It's like, don't even look. I'll describe it to you. I'll just describe what it looks like, and you can just picture it in your mind. Don't close your eyes either. Like, focus on what you're doing. Why? Because where we look always determines our direction. What we're focused on determines our direction. When we're focused left or right, when we're looking at other things, we find ourselves heading in a different direction. And when it comes to following Jesus, this beautiful picture of hands to the plow, we have our eyes focused on a fixed point. Our eyes are focused on Jesus. We move straight. We go. We stay in the direction we need to go because we just keep looking at him. There's some significance even in this for some of us in our own lives, this reminder that we look forward, we don't look side to side, and we don't look back. Some of us live our lives and we're trying to plow and do what God asks us to do, but we're living in the past in all our hurt and our trauma and our disappointment. And so we're like, yeah, I'm going to plow, but we're really just doing one of these and hoping that our life moves in some sort of direction. This is not what it means to follow Jesus. He goes, listen, yes, I understand what you've gone through. Now fix your eyes on me and let me take you in a new direction. Let me tell you a new story. Let me restore you. Let me redeem you. Don't live in that past. Don't live where you are. Go where I am leading you. Lay down your life and pick up a better one. Jesus is ahead of us and our eyes are fixed on him. One of the commentaries that I read said, going his way, Jesus' way, takes precedence over everything Else. Anytime we notice anything drifting us, causing us to look in other ways or look back, it's where we should identify and recognize, okay, God actually wants to do some work there. Like God's inviting us to go, hey, there's something there that we need to actually work through. Something that's holding me back from following Jesus. I'm not acting like you just pretend and you just plow forward, but going, Okay, bring it to him again. Fix your eyes on Jesus and go, I find myself getting pulled in this direction. I need your help. I I need you to direct me. 
Anytime we finding ourselves, we find ourselves drifting and moving in a direct, different direction, we find ourselves at a fork in the road. We go, okay, am I going to go in the direction that at times seems more natural, or am I going to follow the way of Jesus? Am I going to actually move in the direction that he's inviting me to plow in, or am I going to think I'm going to do it by my Self. This is what we find in these three people that are talking to Jesus. We find them at a fork in the road. You say you want to follow me. Do you actually want to follow me? Are you willing to follow where I lead? There is this poem by Robert Frost that talks about taking a path and he's standing at a fork in the road and he's looking and there's one direction that seems to be messy and, and difficult and not trodden by people and then there's this other lush area and he's deciding. He's going, am I going to take this way, this way that seems easy, that lots of people go, or this other way? And at the end of the poem, he chooses the road less traveled and says that it had made all the difference. This is what it means to follow Jesus. There's this other path, this other direction that you go, I could go there, and it's easier. I find myself tending to move in that direction or I could choose the road less traveled, the narrow road that Jesus is inviting me into, the road where I actually experience life. And the question for us becomes then, what is the path that I'm going to take in my life? Am I going to allow those limits of commitment? Am I going to sacrifice those things and choose this different direction? Or am I actually going to follow Jesus, the way of Jesus? Am I going to go where he's inviting me to go? We evaluate our lives and we go, what direction am I moving in? What direction is my life moving in? And am I saying, oh, I'm going for Jesus, I'm following Jesus, but my life does not actually line up with the words that I so easily say? It's easy for us to say words. It's harder for them to be backed up by our actions. We find these three people that come face to face with Jesus, and Jesus is inviting them to, to actually go, do you really want to follow me And I want to let you know that Jesus is asking us, would you follow me if I lead you to a place where you don't get more, you get less? Would you follow me if we went to a place where you don't get the three-bedroom house and the detached garage? You instead live in a small home as a missionary and you do what I'm asking, us to, asking you to do. Will you live like this or do you want comfort? Will you actually go where I'm inviting you to go? Will you follow me when I ask you to do something that seems below you? I'm better than this. I can't believe you'd ask me to serve these people. I am superior. Would you serve others and go somewhere even if it's difficult and challenging? One of the guys on our team, Justin, is doing a triple PhD. And when people talk to him, it's like, wow, triple PhD, that's amazing. He's not doing the triple PhD because of that. He's doing it because God asked him to do it. He's going, I'll go where you want me to go. He actually is like, I want to be a missionary. And God goes, perfect, go do your triple PhD. And he goes, okay. <laughs> what does it look like for us to say, God, I'm actually willing to follow you where you lead me. Jesus, you're inviting me to do something that I'm not sure I want to do, but I know it's you, and so I'm going to do it anyway. 
Jesus is inviting us to ask the question, will you actually follow him if at a moment's notice he asks you to go? If you don't have adequate time to post it on social media and make a big show of it, but instead you just go when he asks you to go. Will you move, not when you're ready, but when the moment presents itself? Would you drop everything if Jesus asked you to? Jesus is inviting us to constantly respond to the question, would you follow me if it was inconvenient? If it costs wherever he goes, wherever he leads, when it costs us, when it's uncomfortable, when it's unpopular, will we follow the way of Jesus when it is painful, when it puts us at odds with our past, when people misunderstand, will we follow Jesus them? Or will we, like the three people that came face-to-face with Jesus, put limits on our commitment to him? I'll follow you as long as it doesn't cost me. I'll follow you when I'm ready to follow you. I'll follow you as long as I can remain distracted, where I just kind of go and do whatever I want to do, not go where you are asking me to go. I want to remind us that anything that competes with our loyalty to Jesus, we need to surrender to him. Anything that moves us in a direction that we know is not him, we need to be willing to lay down at his feet over and over and over and over again. But in this passage, we discover something that's so much better than those excuses and the idols that we can buy into. We discover our calling. We discover our purpose. This is what it means to follow the way of Jesus. It means to unconditionally follow Jesus wherever he leads. Unconditionally, without reservation, without hesitation, without limits to our commitment to follow him wherever he leads. This is what we are invited to do. And I get it. When we're invited into that, we go, okay, that's, that seems like a lot, and that seems kind of difficult. Where do I, I start? Well, what do we have control over? If we've learned anything through COVID, we have a lot less control than we think that we do. So what do we have control over? We have control over how quickly we surrender. Like, how willing am I to go, okay, God, I know you're asking me to go do this. I really don't want to. I'm, I'm afraid I'm hesitant, it's uncomfortable, I'm not ready, but I'm willing to surrender and trust you again. We can control our, the speed with which we repent. Repentance is we're moving in a direction. We're moving in a direction that's opposite to Jesus. And repentance is when we turn and we move in the different direction. We go where he is leading us to do. We can control that. We can actually put effort in. I talked a few weeks back about thinking effort, not earning. Some of us, we go, I don't need to do anything, and Jesus is asking us to put some work in. Not so that you can be loved, but because you understand how much you're loved. Put some effort into this, into your tendency to listen, your willingness to listen, to repent, to actually go, I'll let you lead me where you are going. We can put we, we actually have control over what we focus on. Like we can choose on a daily and momentary basis to fix our eyes on Jesus and to go, I'm gonna go wherever you go. I'm not gonna look left and right. I'm not gonna look back. I'm gonna go forward. We can choose that. 
And every single time we're like, but I'm finding myself getting pulled in. Acknowledge that. Bring it to him. Go, I'm distracted. But I want you. 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 I want to encourage us. Stay focused. Stay determined. Stay committed. Stay with it. If this is you and you're going, I'm doing my best to follow him. I recognize that there's some areas that I need to address and some things that I'm putting limits on my commitment. But I'm really trying my best. I want to encourage you. Keep plowing. Keep moving in that direction. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep going in his direction. And I know the tendency, certainly in 2022 in Canada, we go, I want quick. I'm going to plow that field and I want to see plants within a week. I want to see it all. I want to know that what I'm doing, it's sacrifice. Plowing a field is work. Following Jesus is work. It takes effort. And I want to know that it matters. But I want to remind you that it's in the long term. See, following the way of Jesus is for the rest of our lives. It's over time. It's ongoing surrender to his leadership. It's not just a moment and another moment and then that's it and you coast. It is continually fixing your eyes on Jesus. And as that passage reminds us, but don't grow weary in doing good. Because at the right time, the time that God actually places and sets out before us, it pays off. We can't control that. We can control our surrender, our repentance, our effort, our focus. We cannot control the outcome. And so again, we fix our eyes and focus our eyes on Jesus and go, I want to go forward, not back. And as we're doing that, pay careful attention to where you drift. Pay careful attention to the excuses that you make, the things that you hesitate with, the areas that you find yourself getting drawn into. But remember that the calling for those of us that are Jesus followers, that follow the way of Jesus, it's to unconditionally follow Jesus wherever he leads. On the other side of this is a life of adventure. Terrifying? Absolutely exhilarating, you bet. A a life that you were meant to live. Do not settle for less. Don't settle for comfortable Christianity, cultural Christianity, or just kind of living for the weekend and just rolling through. Embrace the kind of life that God has designed you for. When we first started the church, we have these hoodies, and every once in a while you'll see, or sweatshirts, you'll see some of the team wearing them that they say, made for more. That was the first series that we started with, this reminder that we are made for more. Let me remind you again, you are made for more. Do not let everyone else tell you what you were made for. Allow the creator of the universe to give you plans and purposes that are far better than you could imagine. And then hold on for the ride of your life. Pay the price. Don't let commitment and hesitation, don't let the limits of our commitment hold us back from the life that Jesus offers. If you're in the room or you're watching, engaging online, and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you. Today is a, a great day to do it, to take your first step, to say, I want this. I want a life that is in step with the one who created me. I want to remind you or let you know that that our imperfections, we call that sin, it separates us from God. 
and it creates distance from us between us and the one who created us. But God sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, pay the price for us on that cross so that we could be made right before God. But it didn't stop there. Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He rose again and he conquered death for good. And he invites us to lay down our life, to experience real life with him, to restore the relationship that we were designed for. If you're engaging online or you're watching, if you're in the room and you're going, you know what, I just, I don't notice many challenges in my life where I feel like this stuff is confronting me. Like I hear you talking about this, the comfort and, and the convenience, and I don't really notice that. Can I, just, can I just say as lovingly as I can that that should be a little bit of an indicator that maybe you're just kind of doing your own thing? Because Jesus is constantly confronting and challenging areas if we'll let him. One of the boldest prayers that we can pray is, search my heart Search my heart, show me if there's things that I am settling for something less, because he will. As we follow Jesus, he shows us, if you find yourself living an unchallenged life, I want to encourage you to turn to him and go, search my heart and help me to find and discover the kind of life that you're inviting me to live. If you find yourself struggling with the tendency and pull to comfort, Don't just sit to yourself and go, well, I guess that's it. If you find yourself being pulled into this idol of convenience or if you find yourself distracted, if you notice these are struggles and you find yourself in the same pattern, can I suggest an action step for you? We're going to worship together, but while we do, a handful of our prayer team is going to be at the back of the room. If you struggle, if you find I'm struggling with feeling comfortable and I feel stuck, I feel like I want convenience and I just feel trapped or I feel distracted, like I'm going in different directions, go to the prayer team and let them pray with you and for you. And I know in your head you, you might even be going like, well, I feel uncomfortable or what if people are watching? No one is watching. This is an opportunity for us to do something different. We sometimes do the same things and wonder why we're getting the same results. What would it look like to join together in prayer and believe that God is there as we pray and ask for breakthrough and a different way forward? If you're in the room and you go, there's some things that I know that I, I'm struggling with, I want to encourage you, don't just let that pass by. Don't go, I don't like this feeling of conviction. This is uncomfortable, and so I'm just going to act like it's fine. I want to encourage you, as we worship, go back to God and say, help me to fix my eyes on you, to put my hands on the plow and move in the direction that you are leading me too. Why don't I pray? God, I am so grateful that you go before us. I'm grateful that you are at work. God, I'm thankful that you know that there are times that we put limits on our commitment. God, forgive us for the times that we choose comfort, we choose convenience, and we choose distractions. God, there are hundreds of thousands of people around us that desperately need to know you. Help us to be those people that can point people to you. And not in our strength, but in your strength. Holy Spirit, breathe on us. Empower us. And as we worship, bring to our attention areas that we need 
to surrender to you. God, we love you, we trust you, we need you. In Jesus' name. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you Sunday.